Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Wasp Report Podcast. My name is Alex Chinnery, I'm joined as ever by Mr. Rob Sutton. Rob, how are you doing? Yes, hello everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's been an interesting time um, for the club. There have been a couple of games with some some good performances and, and a couple of bits about the performances that, that you wouldn't like. Um, I think especially the the two the two games recently, Bristol and Sarries, there were there were some fantastic moments and then there were some not so good moments that almost contrasted each other across the two performances. Um, you know, in in the Bristol game, we we came out like a train and scored some lovely tries, played some lovely rugby, and then just you just saw that soft underbelly, that little bit of a, a lack of confidence to really let them back into the game. But they did really well to close it out, and it was a very impressive performance in that sense. They then went to Allianz Park last weekend, and whilst the defence was really good. We worked really well in. We worked really well in system. It just that there was there was no quality there. There was no killer instinct. Uh, it took far too many drop balls, far too many um, errors in attack, and you just can't compete. Uh, and I thought we I thought we competed really really well in the game, but you're just never going to be successful if you spurn the number of chances we spurned. I hate to beat Saracens. You've got to put points on them. They're that sort of team. You, you can't expect to beat them nine six. No, although it looked it looked for a while like we were going to be able to do that. But they they always someone the the pressure will always tell at some point. They aren't going to play as badly as they played in the first forty minutes, and they were atrocious. They were really poor. The poorest I think I've seen them play in a long time. And. We didn't capitalise on it. You knew they were going to have a good ten minutes, a good twenty minutes in the in the second half. They did. They scored tries. We gifted them another, and in the end, the the result looks like a comfortable Saracens win. Where really our performance probably merited a little bit more, given how well we defended and and as I said, the the structure that looked so much better than it did um, the week before, where. You could argue we we played some of the better rugby, uh, the best rugby we've played all year. Yeah, I think also the the they have had the quality on the bench to bring on as well. You think of someone like Nick Azikwe who came on and scored a try at this moment in time. We just didn't have that on the bench. No, I agree. I agree. I think that there have been some um, real positives though. I thought the front row against Saracens were robbed a number of times. Um, yeah. At the scrum, I was actually sitting watching it with a Saris fan on the TV, who's a, a prop. I've, I've spoken about him a number of times on this podcast, um, and even he was saying he didn't understand what Doyle was doing. It just it, it didn't correlate with what was happening in the scrum, the decisions he was giving, and I, I, uh, it's just annoying because the, especially the one just before half time. Yeah, if we yeah, that if, if that penalty goes to, gets given the right way, gets given for, for wasps, says that ball goes into the corner and we've got a five meter line out, or we have another scrum, we we put them under a lot of pressure. We get the ball with a fewer defenders in the space out out wide on the field. It's little things like that that, that change games, and I I think you can chalk down and I. I 
I hate to to be like this completely, but I'm happy with going to Allianz Park, seeing a good performance in terms of the defence, the systems. We didn't get blown away. We performed really well. We're a little bit unlucky and then didn't come away with anything. That's going to happen to a lot of teams there this year. And to not be humiliated, all right, we should be wanting more than that. But given the form that they're in, form we're in, the state of our squad, the state of their squad... I'm 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 happy. I'm happy with the way they performed. Yeah, there are plenty of positives to take from it. I think you've mentioned it a couple of times. The defence was excellent, and um, and I thought actually our back row, which was oh, it's not an inexperienced back row, but obviously Nizam was playing out of position. I thought all three of them were excellent, um, but of course it could well be a big bonus that Thomas Young is available for the Toulouse game because uh, I the forward back was going to decide that game. It always is against the French opposition. But uh, our scrum went well. Let's hope Kieran Brooks is okay. I think he's going to be, but it's touch and go at the moment. He was brilliant, I thought. He's blossoming into a really, really good signing. And it, uh, he, he just comes across as a really nice guy. Um, Bobby's done a couple of interviews with him, and, and he just comes like. He seems like the perfect individual to be playing at this club with this group that we have here. Yeah, he's fitted yeah. in well. And I I really like the performance he put in. I thought he was excellent, as you say. He was one of the top tacklers as well, I think. Yeah, I, he really put he really gets himself about um, in the park, and and he scrummaged really well. And he probably should have had better stats in the end than than he did. I, the whole first half, he had Lamas Ataley on toast, and he, he got did. he got very little reward for it, um, yeah. which was unfortunate. But it happens, and and we'll go again. I also um, want to talk a little bit about the news that, that broke sort of last night. Not news so much as it was in a, an interview. If you haven't read it, um, look up on the Coventry Telegraph. They've got an interview with uh, Nick Eastwood on there, who, if you don't know, is the CEO of Wasps Group and Wasps Financials. He talked about the business side of the club. And I'm, only, I'm not only bringing it up because everything he said was could have been taken straight from my Twitter feed on the day the accounts were published. Although that is one reason you have brought it up. Uh, uh, it's the main reason I brought it up. <laughs> but, um, it's also just, it will set your mind at ease. These, I have a real issue with sports reporters thinking that they understand business when they don't. I'd, this, the, the reason I like someone like Bobby and his coverage of wasps and all matters surrounding wasps is that the stuff he's not an expert in so the rugby stuff is great because he knows his rugby really really well but he goes and researches the stuff that he he isn't an expert in before when he does his reporting and you get pieces like this which actually tell you the proper story whereas there are some other shit rags that see it and just try and make a, a negative headline out of it you know, yes, it's not the perfect situation that the club isn't making a that the club's pre-tax losses are, are growing. But at the same time, the business is in a growth stage; it's not in a profit stage, and you wouldn't expect it to be making a profit four years into its life. It's just not what happens in these types of businesses. Yeah, it, it was great to have it reaffirmed that the owners are here for the long haul. This is a long-term project. There's still lots of work to do, but they're so committed. 
They're going to be backing this. They're going to see it through. And they're exactly the type of people you want running your rugby club. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Nick Eastwood's done a phenomenal job, as has Derek, since they've both been here. Uh, And Nick Eastwood's never shied away from the big issues as well, which is very important. He's always been up front when, when he's been allowed to. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but it's true. Uh, he he's been great to have at the club because he will come out. With, and without without him, you could say not as many would have followed from previous bases to Coventry. Oh, I don't. I think he, I he agree. Did such a I good agree. job. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent on that. And I just think, yeah, we should be appreciating the owners and their take on it, respecting it by not buying into the world is going to end hype because it's going to come because there's enough people in the rugby world and, and elsewhere that don't like Wasps that don't like what we did I've said it time and time again people don't like it when you do things differently and succeed and it's time now we, we respect everyone at the club we respect the job they're doing by taking their word for it taking the professionals word for it <laughs> I'm leaving that in. Yeah. First yeah, guest yeah. ever. First guest ever on the Wasp Report, you know. Yeah, yeah. This uh this class A um pro- uh, yeah. production that we that we put out every week. Um that seems as good as any time to transition over. I mean we were talking about owners and, and how ours are great. Some other owners are uh, scared at the minute, um, and that is because, in all likelihood, a big club, big in air quotations, could very well go down this year. Looking at the the bottom of the table, how competitive it is, the group of young players that Worcester have got coming through, putting in fantastic performances week in, week out, the the money and the the player base that Bristol have, the, the coach they have in Pat Lamb, who plays exciting rugby who scores points, win, they win games, scoring bonus points. It's tight at the bottom. And a Bath, who are fucking awful at the minute. Leicester, who seem to have absolutely none of the hallmarks of the Leicester teams of old, are in trouble down there. I think Bath are in serious trouble. Um, they... They, without the injuries, they remind me a lot of when Wasps nearly got relegated. They've sort of sleepwalked their way into a relegation battle. Um, and it, you know, it's, it doesn't seem all... I, I black had a sauce dressing room there for me. And I, I don't think he'll see out the season. Well, they've already got the transition plan in place, haven't they? And so unless you, unless you speed that up... Yeah. I don't quite see what they're going to do. The minute that came out, I said that's an error. It's a mistake. Because there's no point those players playing for Todd Blackadder anymore. Because he's not going to be there. And I just think that club has got it so wrong. There's no spark about Bath anymore. Bath, Bath used to play really nice rugby. They used to, they used to be England's entertainers. They used to be looked at or viewed as thinking of themselves as a little bit better than everyone else because for most of it they were they had flashy players they played great rugby they play in this 
utterly beautiful ground right in the centre of one of England's most fantastic cities. And at the minute, there's just no charm, no spark, no. there's just nothing there. It's just an empty club to watch play every week. Speaking of the stadium, you've seen the pictures of their new one that they're proposing oh, it looks to be on there. Fabulous. It looks amazing. Yeah, it'd be great when in London Scottish come up and have to go and play <laughs> there in the championship. <laughs> but I, I would say as well, it's that they still have a really good squad. It's just it's just not clicking for them. No. And uh, they've now got Leinster for back to back weeks, so uh, oh, calculators out. God. Well this is where <laughs> this is where Leinster rests some players in the in the Champions Cup as well and everyone starts yeah. moaning about it because they won't next they won't next week because they're in the Aviva next week so uh, they'll want to really put a cricket score on them next week yeah well yeah this week they'll they'll bring a weekend side over to Bath probably still put 50 points on them <laughs> and everyone will but, everyone will be up in arms about them resting players when really the problem is that you've got an international side playing club level and it completely killing the competition yeah. Um, but anyhow, on, on on Leicester, I actually think Leicester will be all right, um, just because I think they'll win enough home games eventually. Uh, but they just their defence. I know we talk a lot about Wasps' defence, but I've I'm struggling to think of a more disorganised defence I've seen in recent years than Leicester at the moment. And the ultimate irony is that Harry Thacker put two tries on them, a really good young player that they've let go. Oh, I thought the ultimate irony was the shortest player on the field, Kyle Eastman, getting sent off for a high tackle again. It wasn't as bad as his one for Wasps. How does he do it? Does he, like, jump in the air or something? Is he's a big lad that he's high tackling. How tall is he in Madigan? He's not... Oh, he's not huge, not sh- I suppose. No. You know, I just... Uh, you know, Leicester they just don't interest me at the minute. No, they're a strange old team because they have shown this season. Like they came to the Rico, I thought they played pretty well in that game at the Rico. They were and a man sent off. They, George Ford was brilliant in that game, and yeah, I mean they they lost. They, I thought they were going to have a decent season. They had a bit of a bounce um, when Murphy took over, but they've not really recaptured that since. And they're in trouble though. If they if they don't start picking up some wins, they're in they're in the, the fight. You know, yeah, Bath, Bath and Leicester play each other over December over yeah, Christmas. Huge. That's a massive game. You know, Bath have got to come to us at home. I'd fancy that. Definitely fancy yeah. us winning that. Yeah. You know, and I think probably five sides you could say are truly safe. Um, obviously, Saris and Exeter are. I think Gloucester are playing well enough. Yeah. We're playing well enough that we'll pick up points. Quinns. And Quinns, yeah. Quinns have actually been the surprise of the season for me because they, they've been very unlucky yeah. at times and you can tell because they've picked up so many bonus points. Uh, if, you, if you're if you losing a game but picking up two bonus points, you're, you're probably playing quite well but you've been a little bit unlucky in the game or you've come up against the team who are playing very tasty rugby. Well, they should have beat Saracens at home and they've already taken out and they beat Exeter on Friday. So but that big game on the 29th is looking rather... Tasty in the playoff race. Mm. That'd be a huge game, an absolutely huge game. Um, what I do when we got a little bit off topic talking about who's going to go down, but the 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 conversation that was brought up this week is one of ring fencing. 
the Premiership. And it is an emotive issue. People cry very foul of the idea. Um, it's not one that we have much exposure to in the UK, and that's probably why. You know, People look at the Pro 14 and the way some of the teams at the bottom of that league treat the treat it as a competition but I, I I don't agree with them I think a lot of the time teams may put out weakened sides when they face someone like a Leinster who they probably wouldn't beat um, and Leinster might do the same to rest players but I, I do think that that league is competitive you've got to try and get into the Champions Cup places and if you're not in the Champions Cup places Teams may well punt on Europe, punt on the Challenge Cup to try and get into the Champions Cup places. Mm. I'm that's, not. That's the, that's the one thing that is that I would, that would potentially sway me is that I think it would add a lot more value for English clubs onto the Challenge Cup if we went to ring fencing. I just see the 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 main the main argument people have for it or that I've seen is it's going to stop another Exeter Chiefs. I'm going to go out and say... I, I'm i not in total favour of it. I, I, I like the concept. I don't trust the RFU or Premiership Rugby to put it in place properly. Um, so I, I would be against it if they were putting it in without a, a long period of consultation. Um, I, I just think that you look at how Exeter had it. You know, they, They've got a very good ownership... With lots of capital, who've invested a lot of money into that club, they've also got a community of fans in that area that are untapped or were untapped when they were coming up by Premiership Rugby and Premiership Football, and that's the biggest thing. That's the unique nature of it. There's almost nowhere in the country untapped by those two sports, by top level football and top level rugby, and so there there is no split of fandom there. Yeah. You look at it, and they pack out their ground every week because it is the big professional club sports team to go and watch. Yeah, if you you have someone who's a, a football fan and a rugby fan, they're probably going to choose Exeter over going to watch Torquay United. Yeah, if you live a similar distance from either ground, or yeah, you know, it's also very much a rugby hotspot. Yeah, they had in it a hugely positive number of factors that have birthed this club that can have the, the kind of story and I think it's a unique story mm. because there's so much that was right for them Rob Baxter, probably the best director of rugby we've seen in maybe even in the professional era to do what he's done with this club Yeah, I would I would throw out though that um, obviously they're already in the Premiership now but uh, Bristol could potentially do something similar it's a similar sort of situation there. Obviously, there's no... Like, Bristol City's a bigger club than Exeter City in football terms, but there's no premiership club down that way. I mean, there's obviously Cardiff, but they're not going to stick around for too much longer. So... Yeah, I mean, Bristol... You know, but Bristol was a big club that went down. I, I suppose. I think people people shout more of a small club like Exeter who'd never been in the premiership before coming up and sticking... I suppose they they just seem bigger this time though. I don't know if it's because they've got a better stadium than they've ever had before, but they've never. This seems certainly the strongest fan base Bristol have had 
I think the the I don't know if it's just down to the name change or whether it's down to the great rugby they play or the players they've got, but they seem a really stronger club this time round than they have before in the Premiership. I think they're 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 a club a lot like Exeter are, a lot like Wasps are trying to be. In that they're they're a professional rugby club that does it differently. Mm. Yeah, they're they're much more encompassed as a business, as a group, as a community. They've got other teams. Obviously, the guy that owns Bristol Bears owns numerous other sports teams in Bristol, or at least owns stakes in. He owns the the stadium, and they create that community, much like Wasps try to do with the netball and and the the conferences. The, this this community business that goes around the rugby club is really contributing, helping to contribute, I think, to their success, definitely to their capital levels. Mm. I I just think the the benefits of ring fencing, you can you can put in rest period for, for top players, for all players, not just top players. You can have the ability to blood youngsters and develop players at the bottom level of the league, which should, in theory, mean that squads at the bottom get a chance to develop those players into international level players and they then can rise further up the division you've got if if they expand if, if they expand the number of teams in it which again has been talked about and that's not something i'm against at all i suspect that would probably mean the end of the cup which obviously i don't think anybody would be too disappointed about yeah but let's why why can we not just say we'll we'll have a cup competition under 23s only yeah include the championship sides in it yeah make it straight knockout like it used to be recapture the magic of it that it once had you know where it's a piece of silverware worth winning mm. that way you still get the opportunity for championship clubs and below to compete with the premiership counterparts but you have a little bit more of a level playing field. They develop their younger players, and quite like to see that as a pre-season sort of. Could be a pre-season sort of thing. Yeah, possibly. You know, or a mid-season, what, mid-season yeah. tournament to to break it up Do, a little bit for the yeah. um, for the club players, so they get a break and the internationals get a break. Because you you still want to run the you would still want to run the league during the international windows. Because it's the only way that players will get breaks, the the top players will get breaks, is if those breaks happen outside of international windows. And maybe you have like a winter break where teams, Premiership under 23s, for maybe six weeks or four weeks, play a cup competition. That's what happens in the Championship at the moment. So the Championship clubs are all in this, in the, in their cup competition at the moment. So I think I, I think that that started about three weeks ago, and there's no league games until the weekend just before Christmas. So that 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 already is starting to happen there. So yeah, I just I'm not entirely against it. I, I don't. I, I, I I'm a fan of a lot of American sports which have no relegation, and yeah, there are cases and numerous cases of bad teams staying bad for a long time. That's usually through serial mismanagement than it is through teams not having any motivation to get better. Teams always have motivation to get better. What it does is give them a more secure footing to do so. It gives director of rugby more more security. 
and greater scope to develop players and give youngsters a chance. And I think we've seen it with the Irish provinces and even the Welsh team, because Wales are probably one of the most underrated international sides around at the minute. Yeah, they've had a very good year. They've had a very good year. Blooding those youngsters in league games is really important because it, it puts pressure on those ahead of them for both your club sides and your international sides which develops a bigger player base of quality players which you need to have you know english english youngsters aren't getting opportunities across the board there are certain clubs that don't have the capital of others that are using their youth and bringing them through but there are others wasps included who have given very limited opportunities to youngsters and it's killing us now Um, but I, I I don't like the idea as I say I like the idea I don't like the possibility of the RFU coming in and cocking it up by making it a 10 team league dropping two teams out probably in some way shape or form or a 13 team league which just doesn't make sense it's just weird it's weird if you're going to expand the league you've got to go to 14 or they'll do something where they'll something won't go right. I just uh, it hurts. Yeah. And, and Premiership Rugby are, are an okay organisation running the running the division. I wouldn't say they were fantastic, but I just don't trust them. I really don't. Not to get it right. So what as well? What what can't be forgotten about? What can't be forgotten about this is that it can be changed. So in rugby league, they had a spell without it. Decided it didn't work, went back. So even if they do bring it in, it might not be a permanent thing. Yeah, I mean, now, you could just make it... See, the the, the issue I have is I don't want to see another London Welsh. Yeah. Where they, they didn't... They weren't able to back it up because they tried to do an Exeter, but they there were too many complications and competing parties there. And they couldn't get the crowd, and they didn't have they didn't have the right setup so to like do 12 it. Twelve people kept turning up. I mean, I just remember going to the game down there where Wasp played them, and there were five or six times yeah. as many Wasp fans there. Now it was in Oxford, yeah. which was very close to, well, close enough to hey, old Wasp's well, country. Oxford, Oxford is still pretty strong Wasp territory, even at club level. Yeah, they've still got decent links links down there. So. You know, there was, but it was like that for all games at London mm. Welsh. You know, you could almost be assured your team was going to get a win, and it's an all right stadium. It was. It's quite nice. Yeah, you know, for the fact it's only got three sides, but um, where they were where they were playing at that point. Mm. It's still only got three sides now at Oxford. If anyone's interested. Yeah. <laughs> I just I don't think it would be the worst thing. Don't trust them to do it, basically. Yeah. You got any different thoughts? Uh, I'm against it, but I wouldn't be against expanding the lead to 14 teams. So, um, What would you do for the 14th club, though? Because obviously London Irish have a um, share of Premiership Rugby. There's 13 shares at the minute. What would I do with the 14th? One season, you just have to say whoever finishes second, maybe. I mean, you've got to think that if they could, Yorkshire are probably the one, 
if you're just picking a team, then rather than Ealing, I would think. Yeah, I mean, we, we need we need that. That is a big untapped market there. This is this is the only issue I have with it, in that the makeup of Premiership rugby at the minute is very Midlands focused. Is mm. the vast and, we're in, and you've got to say we're in danger of one in, losing in one of the two teams up north as well this season. Yeah, I agree, but I, I think that there there's a fan base. The fan base is sustainable in Leeds. We've seen that mm-hmm. before. Are three northern teams sustainable? Looking at sales crowds, sales crowds are awful. That's true. Yeah, That's true. Newcastle are going to be fine. I'd like to see a team in the East End of London. I made that clear on Twitter because yeah, I live I live out here. I live in Essex. I, there's but that's the reason is there's such a massive youth rugby section out here. The county's huge on youth rugby. Mm-hmm. Uh, my local club has over a thousand youth members playing every week. Mm. Yeah, it's massive, and there's nowhere to go and watch out here. If you put a professional side out here, they would get huge crowds. So you just look at when Saris take games to the London Stadium. Well, you could even put a team in the London Stadium. I think you could absolutely. And you wouldn't it, fill it, it would, every week, but you'd, you'd, you'd come close. There's enough. You you yeah. you could fill it every week. Exactly. You wouldn't be able to charge a huge amount for a lot of the tickets, but I'm telling you, could fill it almost every week. But the amount of rugby there is in Essex, in Kent, in the East End of London. Nowadays, the train links that there are into Stratford, it should have been targeted in the first place for a move. It wasn't. Now I would like to see a a club there. And this is this is what I'm saying. I don't trust Premiership Rugby to do the right thing with this 14th team, because I don't see them going and putting it in an untapped market like a Yorkshire who have the strongest case because they're already there in the championship and they're doing very well they've got a great setup. they've been in the premiership before there's a huge untapped player base up there but I just I just don't trust them they go to someone like Ealing who uh, I'm sure are a fantastic club who've got great ambitions but they're right smack bang Near London Irish, near well, to a lesser extent Harlequins. Well, as of twenty nineteen, they are going to be very close to Irish because Irish are coming to Brentford's new stadium. Yeah. So it's, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I I'm with you. I can see them going with Ealing. Can we just shift Ealing to the east side of London? Because we don't need. We've got one team. You know, I'm in South West London now. We've got one team here. Everybody in this area, pretty much, who likes their rugby, who likes their club rugby, supports Harlequins. Yeah, exactly. This is very much a one-club sort of area, similar to that of Leicester, Northampton, Gloucester. So, I mean, north, oh well, north, maybe, and maybe, northeast. Maybe we'll, just, maybe we'll just have like like Toronto Wolfpack in rugby league. We'll just put a random team in. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Good away trips. George Tbilisi yeah. get a Tbilisi side in <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, I don't think it's far fetched I think it's coming um, because yeah, too, too much investment to be that 
owners will want protected. It gives them greater power as well, I think, to have a product with 14 teams who are always going to be in it um, to go against the RFU. And they need all the ammo they can get in that battle, especially in the in the coming years with the, the issues at the RFU at the minute. I just, I'm a little bit sceptical still. Um, I'd need to be won over by any idea. But I think it could be made to work. I don't think it's the end of the world if it comes in. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it could be made to work. I, I'm not for it myself, but there are enough arguments to sway me. Yes. Now, another team who, well, a team who will be focusing on making sure it's not the end of the world on Saturday... Um, is Wasps because they have to have a win at home against Toulouse this Saturday at 5.30. It's on BT Sport, I'm almost certain. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. And, you know, it's a big game. Big game. It's a massive game. Big game. It's a massive game. I think, realistically, we've got to say, even if Wasps win this, the chances of getting out of the group are relatively slim because they're going to need one, if not two, wins out of Toulouse away and Leinster at home which I would suggest is unlikely. Um, but it, it, just for confidence reasons, it, it, what a statement it would be to knock over a, a Toulouse team who are getting back to the good old days of, of their European powers. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're not quite there yet, I don't think, but they're, they're a good side and they're playing good rugby. Um, yeah, they had a great win against Leinster. Um, yeah, the one exactly. thing. The one thing I think Alex, I was discussing this with Alex uh, a couple of days ago. The one thing that might work in Wasps' favour is the fact to lose. No, they can come to the Rico, lose, get something, and still qualify. That happened with La Roche last year, so that potentially might work in Wasps' favour. Yeah, exactly. And you got to hope that they're okay with um, coming here and getting a loss and resting some players. Because that way is an easier path for Wasps to get the victory. Toulouse are, are up there in the top 14. They're second. They're a bit very competitive this year. Um, three points behind the leaders, Clermont. And they will be thinking about doing well in that competition. And if they yeah. can rest their players for a week, coming off the, end, the back of a, a tough autumn... For a lot of those players, who some of whom will have travelled all over Europe playing games, or all over the Northern Hemisphere playing games, they they may well take their chance. Holy Jesus! I've just seen the points difference of Clermont. What is it? One hundred and sixty-five points in eleven games. <laughs> they're they're back then. They are back. They certainly are. I think they're going to win the challenge. That's a 15-point winning margin. Average across their games. Damn. That is outrageous. That's more than double the next best. (laughs) Oh, oh, sorry. Rabbit holes. Time. Um, I mean, they, they had some close games as well, so there must be some massive victories in there. I'm just trying to see if one particular... I mean, they beat... Arjen 67-23 on the first week of the season. <laughs> That's a good game. Oh, Cast, they beat 41-6. Cast are the defending champions, aren't they? Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Cast, Cast, who beat Exeter in the, the 
second round of the Champions Cup. This <laughs> is nuts. Oh, what a nuts season. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's winnable. Um, we'll have, we're going to yes, have to we're going to have to try and pull together the best bits of the last couple of weeks uh, into a performance. If we can get the attack from the Bristol game and the defence from the Saracens game, we'll probably be all right. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I I don't think it's going to take miracle miracle balls to, to beat this team. They're not going to be anywhere near as organised as Saris were in defence. Yeah, they're they're going to rely much more on their power game. Um, on the, on the physical specimens of their players to try and bully wasps into into losing the game. Mm. I think we can pick that apart. We've got a very very good fly half who, you know, some of you have got a sh- fucking awful opinion of. Um, who I thought had another very good game against Saris. Actually, uh, there's only so much he can do. He was when, solid. There's only so much he can do when he throws a pass and the person outside him drops it. Um, you know, he can't run over there and put it in their bread basket for him and let him carry on running. One, one, one fantastic turnover from him. Yeah, in the first he, half. he puts that his body incredible. on the line. He he does well. I, he, was, I was right in front of that. I couldn't believe it was him. Yeah, and you know he doesn't he doesn't make mistakes very often, and mm. I think he he does and he's much. There's much more to his game than just not making mistakes as well. Um, I do think we're going to see more from him because he's a very talented player and he hasn't quite reached the top of his talent level yet but he's had 11 different combinations that he's played in across his time here Yeah, that's a com- different combination pretty much every single game he's played in you know, he's going to take only a li- there's only one he's had the same yeah it's going to take him a little bit longer to settle in settle down and, and play his best stuff, and I think he's getting close to it. This weekend, against the less organised defence, it could be the one where it sparks into life, and we spark into life. Yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if the game was decided right at the end. And uh, normally is between these two. Um, yeah. So the one last last time we played, obviously, it was a draw in France, wasn't it? And then we beat them at home with Dan Robson's try. Uh, so I think it'd be a really good game. It's a proper European occasion. This late kickoff as well on a Saturday night. Yeah, it should be a really good evening. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see um, as good as as good as Ross Neal has been since his debut. I think this is one where he drops to the bench for this game. Get yeah. Bassett back in. Get Daly on the wing. Play Booge and De Jong in the centres. Lima at 10 and you're almost looking at your first choice back line there yeah yeah with the exception of 9 um, and I, I would I would imagine that oh, but Bassett's not injured so obviously he's coming straight back in anyway with his form and I think De Jong will probably play 13 I thought Daly Daly was alright actually bar his error but uh, I don't know I, I think Wasp missed something when De Jong's not on the field yeah he's just he's, there's something about the way he plays and Elliot hasn't been able to recapture that electric form from 13 that he had. I just I remember when we tonked Leinster at the Rico a couple of seasons ago. He scored a fantastic try, but the the that was the season we got to the final. Was that? No, that was when we lost to Saracens in the semi-final of the Champions Cup. It was that season. Yeah, did we get to the final of the Premiership or not? No. No. Semis. Yeah. Um, but that season he was fantastic. 
You know, the, on the Lions tour last year, he was incredible. He hasn't quite hit those heights again for Wasps, and I'd like to see a massive performance from him this week. I think yeah. it could I, be I, it could be incoming. Yeah, and I think Villy will will have if you're talking horse racing parlance, he will have come on for the run against Saracens. I think you just need to get a game back at Wasps under his belt. I think we'll see a lot more from him than we did against Saris at the weekend. I thought he was. I thought he just looked a bit off the pace at yeah. the weekend, and uh, I, I think again he'll be all right. Now he's back. You also have to remember last weekend they're playing against the best defensive team out there, a team with a system yes, and a and a discipline that shuts attacking creative players like that down week after week. Um, you know, it's not it's not out there. Or, or really worrying for your creative players to not look that great against Saracens. It happens. Um, I am looking forward to this weekend, though. I think there should be just just enough of uh, in terms of ill discipline from Toulouse for <laughs> us to take advantage. Um, I would bank on it though, because it is John Lacey. Yeah, that's true. And they have nilled. They have got a couple of games where they've nilled teams this year. Including the forty to nil beating of Bordeaux in the third of November, which I'm pretty sure saw their coach sacked, um, and Joe was put in uh, temporary charge, I believe. Mr. Joe Worsley. Not sure. Not sure that's true, but it might be. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Rory Teague was sacked, wasn't he? And then uh, I think Joe he took over. He has gone. Yeah. Um. Well. My knowledge of French rugby isn't all that impressive, I must admit. Um, Toulouse, meet up, beers, will be posted on the Wasp Report page. Um, I'll be there. My old man's going to be there. Um, Rob's not Rob's not going to be there because it's across the channel. And uh, I haven't got a passport. <laughs> uh, you might as well. You might... you might as well not have a passport, um, the amount of European trips you've been to. But... Let's have a beer. The glamour of Harlequins, of, of, of glamour of Harlequins against Benetton next Saturday instead of Toulouse Wasps. I shouldn't even. Stoop, I should point out, I'm not going to Italy. I shouldn't even let him on this fucking podcast, should I? <laughs> she wait for big game. I shouldn't even let him on here. Anyway, um, but yes, 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 yes. Score prediction for this weekend. I, I think it'll be close. I'm gonna go for wasps by five. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty good. I think it will be very similar. Wasp by sort of five or six um, points. It's a big game, and it's time for this team to turn up. We could do with five points. It's it's a long shot because Toulouse have a decent defence this season, but we could do with four tries. Really. Yeah, I agree. It's realistic about getting out of the group. I agree. Anyway, that is all we have got time for today. Thank you very much for listening. The Wasp Report has been an Alex Cheering Media production for The Wasp Report. Like, subscribe, follow, everything you want to do. Rate us, give us five stars. Cheers!